Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are modern homemakers. Boy, are we modern. We have so many things going on in the ministry right now, and the website, I've said this many times, they're singing and dancing and all sorts of new uh, resources coming out. It's time to get organized, girls. Um, school is in session, the kids are gone, you have a little extra time. You, those of you who are working outside of your home, you need it more than you've ever needed it. So tune in and get some friends to watch the Secrets to Getting More Done organizational seminar. It costs $20 to buy it, and then you can have as many people come and watch it with you as you want. Charge them for it. Use the money to give to a mission field. Well, every so often I throw in an eclectic show. I think I called them this because I love that word, eclectic. So today I want to cover three or four things in our time together. I know you have just come through very serious teaching on training the will of the child. And if you listen to all five of them, I want you to know, good job, well done. If you adapt even a portion of this, it will alter the course of your parenting. So I today want to just give you a mumbo jumbo of things as I like to do from time to time. This year we're concentrating on do the next thing. Do the next thing. I received this wonderful email from a gal who tells me that she not only listens to me from Williamsburg, Virginia, but she listens in her bathtub, and since I'm a tub girl, I thank you for uh, responding and, and by telling us that you love the do the next thing. And then you asked a couple of questions, and I always like to get these answers out as quickly as I can. If her question came before yours, I'm sorry, I'm a little delayed this fall startup. She asked about the jet lag diet that I and my grandson used when we took um, his first international trip this summer. The jet lag diet is designed to be a feast, fast, biological clock change. So when you get to whatever continent you're going to, whether it's six hours, eight hours, 12 hours away, your body can get off the plane and move into that culture's time clock. It was discovered and created by the Argonne Jet Laboratory. And I recently saw, I might have been an op-ed about our current president, who um, is going into meetings from his plane after long periods of time of being in the air. And they were suggesting that he have some rest when he gets there. And the Argonne Laboratory came in touch with the same representation of senators and statesmen and presidents and leaders around the world who went into a meeting immediately from a plane and they were fuzzy and they knew it. And sometimes jet lag can make you literally vomiting and sick. So this diet was created to help those folks who do it regularly. It became a book called The Jet Lag Diet and I've been using it I think for about 20 years. And I had a terrible bout with jet lag sick vomiting, they called the doctor to come to the pl place I was staying before I was speaking. Um, I was in Switzerland and the doctor looked me over and he knew my symptoms were real from a temperature to vomiting, but he said very bad jet lag. And so I went to bed and got the best I could but had to speak the next morning. The second thing you asked about was the 1024 party. It was a blast and its concept was found in that passage which says don't spare 
um, whatever you do, continue to encourage one another to good deeds. And my husband, who recently taught the five life questions, and if you haven't heard those, go back and listen to those, um, he reminded me of the Hebrews 10.24 party, which we gave some years ago. And what we did was we prayerfully went through a list of people in our lives. Some of them we hadn't seen in a long time. Some were very active. Some had been very active in the earlier part of our lives. And um, we were able to get them to Phoenix, and we invited them. David thinks there were 40 people. I don't remember the number, but I did everything. I set a beautiful table with fresh flowers. I went way out to have this party, all the food. They said, can we bring anything? No, 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 just come. And then I put them in a square. The 40 people were on the outside of the square of these tables, and David and I were in the center of one of the sides of the square. And after everybody had eaten, and a lot of them knew each other, and they didn't really know why they were there. It was a 1024 party. They had never heard of that before, because we had never done it before. I don't think it's ever been done before. And so then when all of that happened, we went literally around the table, and David and I had prayed and thought about each one of these individuals, and we rotated him first, me next, him first, me next. We took turns, and every one of those people heard from our hearts our thankfulness for how they had encouraged us. It was really fun, and we saw a lot of emotion from people who said, wow, I didn't really know that was such an encouragement. I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad you told me this. And it gave us all a spurring on to go about doing good deeds, whether we think we're encouraging someone, we're intentionally encouraging someone, or they're just watching us and we're encouraging them. So try it. This year's theme, I want to just read this to you. I haven't read it aloud yet. And remind you about do the next thing. From an old English parsonage down by the sea, there came in the twilight a message to me. Its quaint Saxon legend deeply engraven, hath as it seemed to me a teaching from heaven. And on through the hours the quiet words ring like a low inspiration. Do the next thing. Sounds like something your mother did, right? Many a questioning, many a fear, many a doubt hath its quieting here. Moment by moment let down from heaven, time, opportunity, guidance are given. Fear not tomorrow, child of the king. Trust them with Jesus, then do the next thing. Do it immediately, do it with prayer. Do it reliantly, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand, who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath the wing. Leave all resultings, then do the next thing. Looking to Jesus, ever serener, working or suffering by thy demeanor, in his dear presence, the rest of his calm, the light of his countenance, be thy psalm. Strong in his faithfulness, praise and sing. Then, as he beckons thee, do the next thing. Do the next thing has been a part of the warp and woof of my life for decades now, and I am 
As always, you know how I love auto mottos and mottos, incredible, workable, memorable things, and do the next thing comes out of that marvelous passage we talked about some weeks ago in Ezekiel. And the thing I want to talk to you about today is do the next thing, get out of debt. <laughs> Doesn't that sound just incongruous? Do the next thing, get out of debt. Like tomorrow you're going to get out of debt. No, you're not going to get out of debt tomorrow. But if you are in debt, I want you to do the next thing and save five cents, 10 cents, one dollar. Don't buy it. Change it. Do it immediately and do the next thing. I read this article this summer that just reminded me of do the next thing and get out of debt. And the reasons this article gave why we are in debt. The opening paragraph says just 22% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 34, 22% between the ages of 18 and 34 can claim to be debt free. That's staggering because what have they done to get in college debt, I guess. But then did they choose right about college? And then did they get a job and buy a car and buy a house and get themselves in so much debt and use their credit card? I don't know. doesn't say what they did with it. A quarter of the rest of that age group has at least 30000 in debt and 11% have over $100,000 in debt. So these are big numbers. One-third of the group has put off buying a home not because what we've heard so often is they don't want to be tied down, they don't need a house, they can do just as well. But the reality is they can't qualify for a home. And if you have debt and don't have income to match paying off that debt, well, you're not going to get a loan to buy a house or to buy a car. Debt is an insidious thing. And I want to remind you that most of this debt, about 46% of debt in America is credit card debt. Now, there was a silly old movie. I saw it years ago with a young friend. I'm saying a decade ago, it was called Shopaholic. And she was a shopper. She's a darling little girl and had high-end costuming clothes. And she was in debt, so in debt, that she and her roommate refused to answer the telephone call because if it wasn't one card, it was another card, or it was another card who were calling her to find out where's your payment. And she would take cash from one card and another card. And, and then someone recommended that she put her cars in the freezer. And so she put her credit card in a bowl of water and put the bowl of water in the freezer, and then it froze. And then you see her in the next scene. She's got a hand and she's banging on the ice to get her credit card out because there's a sale going on. In the early 1900s, 25 years later, we are more in debt than we were then. So put your credit card on ice. Um, Stop using it immediately. Do the next thing. When I say stop using it immediately, one of the reasons why we use a credit card is we are afraid we're going to miss out. Now it's on sale. That's the classic line. This fellow gave information about why we get led into debt. And one of them was because we're afraid of missing out, FOMO. And here's a great sale, and here's the last that's left on the shelf, and if I don't get it now, I'll never get it. And we don't ask the right questions like, Do I need it? And even if we're just going to consignment stores to buy things, and even if we're paying cash for it, the whole concept that we spent last year in was lessify, lessify, lessify. 
So as a culture, especially you young women, I want to remind you that doing the next thing can be simply stopping the next purchase. And I want to say do the next thing also applies in our eating habits. So many women say to me, oh, I've just got, I put on a few pounds. Oh, the summer I was. I mean, it seems like everyone I talk to, they're afraid I've just looked at them and they've gained five pounds. I'm not really sure if that's the reason or just the conversation falls naturally to weight. So if you're saying any of these things, if you're a little overweight, tragically overweight, if you've started your diet and quit diet, if you yo-yo dieted, do the next thing applies to you. Leave all resultings. Don't worry about the results of changing your eating habits. Do the next thing and change your eating habit. Just the next meal. What is it the next meal you sit down to eat that is too much, that is high in, in sugar, that is high in, um, what is it you want to call when you eat things that uh, don't, they don't have a wear date? What is that? What's that word? Trans fats or something. Think, um, things that inhibit spoilage. I can't think of the word. I hope you all know what it is what I'm saying to you today. But leave that one food item on your plate, if it was a meal that someone served you in their home, be bold and do the next thing. Say, no, thank you. Would you like dessert? No, thank you. Would you like a Coca-Cola full of sugar? No, thank you. Because you're just doing the next thing. Well, we talk about debt, and maybe what you're going to do the next thing is buy one share of Apple. Apple became the first U.S. company to be worth a trillion dollars this last summer, and their quarter three earnings put them over the top. So maybe you want to save up your money and buy one share of Apple, now worth a trillion dollars and continued continues to go up. The last thing I want to say to you today and my eclectic thoughts. Oh, I never get through all these things I want to talk to you about. But more than half of the same survey of young, they call them Gen Zs, although now recently I heard someone say that Gen Zs are called the Gen I, I generation. And I'll be sad if that's true because there's not been a generation that wasn't selfish and they are no self, more selfish than the rest of us have been. We've just forgotten it and we're calling them that. But let me say that do the next thing when it comes to talking about Christ. One of the things we've heard a lot about with the Gen Zs is that mm, they don't like Christianity. They're part of the nun category on our, our census. Well, the truth is that a lot of Gen Zs talk about Christ differently than you. And if you're a woman my age, certainly different than you. If you're a mother of a Gen Z, I think you probably raised them one way and they're coming out another way. But don't let that let you pass judgment on them. They want to talk about it. And there's recent research that surveys have said that they not only have a positive experience with Christianity, that about 40% of that generation actually attends some kind of church service. 
probably doesn't look like the 9 o'clock Sunday school and 10 o'clock church followed by lunch and a nap in the afternoon in our old custom, but they're attending service somewhere. So go out and be prayerful for the Generation Zs. We are Modern Homemakers, and today was an eclectic show reminding us of doing the next thing. And I want you to remember that the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and be very uncommon by doing the next thing in your life. 